like us to take a look at uh, Luke chapter 1. I'd like to read the uh, Magnificat of Mary, uh, beginning at verse 46. And I want to look in particular at the large themes of this um, lovely um, poem that uh, Mary has penned, full of scripture, um, full of the themes of uh, God's kingdom. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring um, forever. Again, bow with me. Holy Spirit, we pray that in these moments this afternoon, um, you would... Persuade us again of the glory of the Savior, of the glory of his kingdom. And the way that he works that is counter to how we normally think. And we ask, Lord, that in, this, in these moments uh, we would give him praise for which he is worthy. In the name of Jesus. Uh, Jesus' kingdom, of which we are a part, uh, is an upside-down kingdom. Uh, Those with uh, the world's wisdom and power and influence are cast down. And those who suffer and are humble are lifted up. Uh, Times of darkness that we experience, sadness, loss, pain in some measure, are also opportunities to see light. The kingdom of God is full of reversals. It is surprising. It will catch you off guard. The Magnificat here, spoken by this humble peasant girl who has become the most famous woman of all history, this humble one is blessed of God. And I want us to be thinking about the contours of the kingdom. How does the kingdom of God work in our dark moments, our lonely moments, our fearful moments? It's where we have an opportunity, an occasion to meet with God and for His Spirit to work in our hearts. 
In your darkest moments, God works in unusual and upside-down ways. So, my theme this morning, this afternoon, for this this text, uh, you're in God's upside-down kingdom, so expect the unexpected. You're in the upside-down kingdom, so expect the unexpected. There are reversals, of course, throughout salvation history. The scripture is full of things that happen that we would not have figured that could have, could have turned out the way that they have. And as Mary says here, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the mighty. He has sent the rich away empty. That's what God does. I want to just pick four quickly from the Old Testament. Three quickly from the Old Testament. Uh, Joseph, one of the twelve sons of Jacob, had a dream. All of my brothers, my mother and father, will bow down before me. They will exalt me. So, of course, he's sold as a slave to Egypt. Of course, he ends up in prison. Of course, he is there on bogus charges. And, of course, he is raised to second in command under Pharaoh. You see, the dead are raised. And the dead bring forth bread for the entire world. That's how God works. Israel's miracle in the Red Sea. They were boxed in. Of course you guys know this story. Nowhere to go. Um, What a great place to magnify God as they were full of fear and panic. So how does God respond to them? The Lord will fight for you. All you have to do is be silent. All you have to do is wait. That's how God works. And of course, they were delivered by that wind-blown path in the sea and uh, that swallowed the enemy army. I want to read, I want to read from, um, from, um, from, from Daniel. Uh, this, this story of Nebuchadnezzar is, is uh, a fascinating example of exactly what Mary is, is singing about here. Uh, the stunning pride, we remember, of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Um, listen to his words. Is not this great Babylon, which I have built uh, by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Is there a chance that he's going to get away with this? And, and we know that he is reduced to animal-like status and he's, he's feeding uh, on the grass like, like a, a, an ox until he finally realizes that the Most High rules in heaven. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. He does according to his uh, will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? God humbles the proud. And of course, this is clearest at Christmas. The choice of Mary should have been obvious. A humble woman and a virgin. This is exactly the context in which God would seek to glorify himself. And the kingdom reversals that we've mentioned are contained or summarized particularly in the life of Jesus. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who becomes man and is born in a smelly stable. 
And it is the shame of the cross, where only the worst criminals were executed, that the creature um, rebelled and the creator died for him to give him life. Because he loves rebels. Who does this but God? But I want to focus for just a moment on the beginning of Jesus' ministry where it says uh, in Luke's Gospel where Jesus is about to go out into the wilderness um, to be tempted by Satan as the answer to Satan's temptation of Adam in a garden. Adam had nothing to gain from the enemy. He, He was sorely tempted And he fell. We know that. But listen to what Luke says. The Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. And that's a word that is usually used in the Gospels to describe an evil spirit being expelled from a person. It is violent language that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness where he had an opportunity to defeat the temptations of the enemy and in that wilderness to create, to begin to create the new creation. And so the story is pregnant with meaning of of the defeat of Satan, uh, of, of doing so in a wilderness, whereas Adam lost it in a garden. Jesus, Athanasius says that uh, this is an example. Jesus had to go to a wilderness. The Spirit had to drive him there. And that's where he would begin uh, this new creation construction. Why is that significant? One reason is because in him, you and I experience wilderness. We experience difficulties in this life which is precisely the context in which the Spirit then brings the new creation realities into our lives. In Him and in your wilderness, you taste the new creation. And prayer is our connection to God who turns this upside-down world to our benefit. Prayer is our connection to God which turns this upside-down world to our benefit. I want to look at three things this, this evening to see, um, to see how it is that you and I can discover more of the riches of grace in the midst of a wilderness. This is how the kingdom works. The first is this. Jesus gives you righteousness you don't have. That's the first thing. We think quickly of, uh, of, of Luke's gospel. The Pharisee uh, looked proudly at God and began to describe his accomplishments. The tax collector had nothing to offer God except for a plea for mercy. Of course we understand that in this kingdom, the righteousness that counts is not the righteousness you offer God, but the righteousness that he gives you. And ironically, This is the upside-down way of the kingdom. Ironically, the more you grasp his righteousness, the easier it is you'll find it to admit your own unrighteousness. The easier you'll find it to be able to be the honest confessor, to live with integrity before God. The more you'll be at home with the integrity of confession. Do you hear this? God gives us righteousness you don't have, so that you can admit the righteousness that the unrighteousness that you do have, 
and you walk then in the midst of this wilderness, a, a sense of having been abandoned, abandoned, and you walk in the glory of God. He has scattered the proud, Mary says. Show me my hidden faults, the psalmist says, and have mercy on me, the sinner, the tax collector says. In all of these ways, uh, the Spirit humbles us uh, so that we with Mary say, magnify the Lord and not me. Magnify the Lord. Do you see, as you're growing older in the Lord, that by the Spirit you're growing in honesty, in your confession, to your loved ones, to the Lord? That's a fruit of the Spirit, that kind of humility. The second thing is this. Not only does Jesus give righteousness you don't have, but Jesus brings good out of evil. (laughs) Jesus brings good out of evil. This is the way of the kingdom. From Genesis to Revelation, you see it. It's not your troubles that count. It's what you do with them. How do you respond? In your troubles. Joseph had the quiet and composed confidence in God that he was able to say, You meant evil against me, but God counted it and God meant it for good. So here here we are, you and I, uh, in this wilderness, um, also, along with Jesus, I should say, following Jesus. And how does the psalmist say it? He says, um, God gives you honey out of the rock. That's the way the psalmist describes this upside-down kingdom. God gives you honey from the rock. Of course, a rock is hard and unyielding. And somehow or other, God squeezes honey out of that that nourishes our hearts. And yet we fight against the rocks. So we miss the honey. We complain against the rocks, so we miss the benefit of the kingdom in the midst of that experience. But God works slower, and he works deeper, and he brings about beauty out of the ashes. It's the way it works in the kingdom. Mary tells us, and he fills the hungry. He fills the hungry with good things. So how do we handle that spiritually? We remember again the psalm that says, God invites us, he calls us to open wide our mouths, and he will fill us. This is the life of prayer. It's the life of of coming to God in the midst of your wilderness, in the midst of this rock that you wished it wasn't there, and you get honey out of that rock by coming to God and saying, meet me, fill me, give me the grace that I need to live for your glory in the midst of this suffering. Not complaining, not complaining, but say, give me grace. And then finally, not only does Jesus give the righteousness you don't have, he brings um, good out of evil, but very simply, Jesus gives you strength in your weakness. This is how God works. He gives you strength in your weakness. Do you get it? Do you see um, things that God is calling you to do that seem impossibly hard? Have you ever been there? Something you know God wants you to do. Maybe it's forgive another person. Maybe it's to show outrageous generosity as someone who you really don't think deserves it. Maybe it's some other form of, of kindness or gentleness to someone who you just don't want. You don't want to do it. 
a form of service, whatever it might be. If you, are, if you become aware of precisely those um, incidences in your life, then you are well on your way to growing in Christ. He's got you right where he wants you. In, in, in a place where you are dependent upon him so that in your weakness, in your stubbornness, in your coldness of heart, he can meet you and give you strength. That's what he wants to do. So you embrace your weakness and you will know his strength. You come to the end of yourself and you'll see the beginning of a new work of God in you, that new creation work that has already begun. That new creation power always shows up in the wilderness. So what does Mary say? Um, He who is mighty has done great things for us. He who is mighty has done great things for us. So when I am weak, as Paul says, then I am strong. I I encourage you to incorporate these themes into your own prayer, your personal prayer and your family prayers as well. How can we um, give proper glory and focus to Jesus because he's given us the righteousness that we don't have? Well, we want to praise him for that. We want to thank him. We want to more quickly acknowledge our own unrighteousness. We want to be aware of how we respond improperly to the evil circumstances of our lives because Jesus brings good out of evil. Open my eyes to see the good that you are doing because of this difficult circumstance that I'm in. Let me not complain. Let me not give up. Open my eyes to see what you are doing. And that, Lord, give me the ability to identify the the weakness in my life so that I can, I can walk more and more in your strength. May the Spirit work in your heart and mind this deeper kingdom ministry of the unexpected, where we're not accustomed to living, so we can glorify God in our response. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, how we, um, how we praise you this day. Um, We thank you that your kingdom is an unexpected place for us to live. You work in counterintuitive ways, and we give you praise for that. I pray that, that each one of us here would be full of joy this Christmas, full of admiration for Jesus, and, and growing sensitivity in the Spirit to live in this upside-down kingdom with joy in our hearts for the things that you are doing in us and through us. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus.